0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.
1: Shabbat Shalom to the legions that are listening.
0: Indeed. We are going to be talking about Parsha Shmot which is both the beginning of a new book and also the first parsha of said book um as
1: is always the case
0: <laughs> this is always the case um
1: happens 5 times a year
0: true it does that is annually very good um and as as I wrote in the Taste of Torah, which you'll all receive, by the way, I think I've been on for the Taste of Torah
1: approximately for the past six weeks. You weren't but, on last week, but you're, you were true. so brilliant in the table for five, I just had to yeah, defer, use defer to you.
0: There are a lot of different pieces of this Parsha that could be spoken about. I mean, there's just the the beginning, obviously, of the different names of the tribes and why we bring in from Brashid into Shmot those different names to to make that bridge. There's obviously just the birth and the general uh, growing up of Moshe uh, with Shifra and Pua and with um, Yocheved, <clears> that we don't hear their names at the beginning, and Miriam. Um, as well as Batya, in terms of how she takes care of him. Uh, and then there's also, you know, the burning bush and, yeah. and all of those pieces. The burning bush is what I talk about in my taste of Torah. Oh, I was going to say um, we should
1: talk about that. Uh,
0: but we're going to talk about a different part of this Parsha. I'll which...
1: talk about, I'll, I'll publish my own taste of Torah and hide it somewhere on the internet and people can read <laughs> it there. <laughs> Great.
0: Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about the part yeah. of the story where Moshe encounters an Egyptian uh, s- somehow dealing harshly with another person who Moshe points out is a Hebrew is not a uh, is not an Egyptian. So we're in chapter two, and this picks up at verse eleven. And I'm going to read the verses and translate them, and then Rabbi Shapiro is going to introduce the the topic of our of our actual learning this morning. So
1: end of the year switcheroo.
0: End of the year switcheroo, indeed. Well, not the end. year. Okay. right. Almost. Sure. So in the days where Moshe grew up, he went out to his brothers. Vayar besiv lotam, vayar and he went out. Uh, well, he, so he went out to his brothers, but he saw their sieve lotam. He saw their burdens, the, the harsh work that they were having to do. And he saw an Egyptian man, Makhe Ish Ivri Me'echav, who hit a, a man who was a Hebrew. Um, and then it says Me'echav from his brethren. So we'll unpack that in, in a little bit ko ki ish et So Moshe turned this way and that. Ko I love I love those two words because you can kind of hear what he's doing even if, if you don't understand it. So he turned this way and that, and he sees that there is no person. We insert here the word around, though it just says in the Hebrew ki ish. There's no person. And he hits the, the Egyptian. And then it says, and he buried him in the sand. So, well, actually, I'll just keep going. Okay. And bayom and when he went out on the second day, Vehine, and behold, there were two Anashim uh, Ivrim. There were two people, both who are Hebrews, nitzim who were kind of going up against one another, who were potentially fighting. Vayomer larasha, lama Take re'echa? And he says to the bad one, interesting that, which one is that? Uh, why are you hitting your your neighbor, your brother, your foe, your, um, I'm sorry, not your foe, your fellow, your, uh, your loved one? Vayomer... Mi samcha ish sar veShofet Aleinu Halhargeni ata Omer kaasher haragta Etamitsri vayiram Moshe vayomer achen noda hadavar. And so he says. <clears throat> The the sorry the 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 bad guy so to speak the bad Hebrew <laughs> says to back to Moshe who put you as the man to be like a a, a man of power um, a ruler and a judge over us so who made you king basically uh halhargini
1: like a rogue. Are you going Yeah, but to, how do you
0: say that in in the conjugation? In the in the translation it says, Do you mean to kill me? Halhargeni ata. uh okay, so, Hale
1: Hargeni, right? Like would you go as to Kill me? Kill me. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh
0: <clears throat> <clears throat> just like you killed the Egyptian, right, just two verses ago, and Moshe realized, okay, they now know this thing that I did. So those are our four verses, more than usual, but you get the whole the whole story in in those four. Um <clears throat> I'll just say that the thing that that catches my attention is this word me'echav. That how does Moshe know that this ivri is from his brethren? Moshe doesn't know that he's a Hebrew, right? For all intents and purposes, Moshe is an Egyptian because he grew up in Egypt uh, and in not only in just Egypt, the land, but in Pharaoh's palace. So why would he even think that he is uh, a Hebrew? And why does he feel this energetic, maybe magnetic pull towards these Hebrews uh, in such a way that they feel to him like brethren, like where, where does that come from? So that was my, that was my big uh, kushia. Uh, and then the second one is just, he then, we don't focus on the second uh, encounter as much as we do the first, but that there were these two Hebrews who were fighting, and that he decides one of them is worse than the other, which I just think is funny, because how do you really know if they're both fighting? But uh, Rabbi Shreya, on to you.
1: Yes, Rabbi Shots.
0: What was your kushia, or what are you going to bring to the table, as it were?
1: Mm. Um... Well, I, I was just reading something actually interesting that I had never thought about before in light of this incident. So there's this book um, written by Rabbi Levi Mayer, who was the um, the rabbi at Cedar sinai Medical Center for a number of years. Um, and one of the first actually to write about Jungian psychology and Judaism. Ah, oh, there we uh, go. Which is on my bookshelf over there. Uh and and actually i marked the heck out of that book and then i realized only afterward that he had actually signed it oh. um yeah it okay. was like just passed off at Baytru one day so it's uh, a dear volume of mine um this is not that but this is a book that he wrote specifically about um Moses and i was flipping through it um and and he talks a lot about this incident um, he said a couple of interesting things. I'll, I'll foreground the, the chiddush that I had never really thought about before, because what, what's weird about these verses? One of the f- there's a few sort of um, pieces that provoke questions, but one of them is if no one was around when Moses killed the Egyptian, mm-hmm. how do these guys know yeah, about it? Right. right. right? And he presents a really, really interesting answer, which is that if the, there was someone around, it was the person who the Egyptian was beating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then what must be happening here, since that, therefore, was the only other person who was there, is now that person who the Egyptian was beating is now fighting mm. the Israelite. Oh,
0: very interesting.
1: And so, therefore, he is the uh, one he's the who good is... guy. No, he's the bad guy. Oh, he's the bad guy. He's the bad guy. Oh. he's the one who now turns to Moses and says, "You did this. Mm-hmm. Who are you to say to me I shouldn't do this? You literally oh, killed this guy. Wow, that's crazy. and I know, so cool, right? Yeah, I really like that. Um, so who are <laughs> I? Literally saw you do this, mm-hmm. and this is something that you did to save me. Mm-hmm. Get out of my way, mm-hmm. and so. You know, I think in terms of the lens that we, you know, occasionally remember to, to sometimes bring to these conversations, thinking about what it is to see violence as an option mm-hmm. um, and how we perpetrate cycles or actions that might not be that healthy, mm-hmm. right, from people who are in positions of authority, mm-hmm. right, that we then internalize and take on for ourselves mm-hmm. and feel very justified in doing so right like i think about my kid right if my kids see me do the the example in our house these days is our kids walk around with food all the time mm-hmm. why do our kids walk around with food all the time because because sarah and i do right we walk around with food and stop walking around with food well, you guys do it right mm-hmm. so this is not this is not walking around with food slightly less egregious <laughs> example um but i just think interesting in terms of modeling in terms of the examples that leaders set for us in terms of, uh, and also interesting because, like, th- this guy doesn't know that Moses is an Israelite. So mm-hmm. in this guy's perspective, here's just another Egyptian. Right, right. Who's a violent guy telling him, mm-hmm. why are you guys fighting? That's
0: interesting.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, why, why, do you, why do you even care? Mm-hmm. Why well, do even care what's going on here? Mm-hmm. This is what you Egyptians do, so now it's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, as sort of a backdoor way of answering your question, because I had also never noticed, like, the pinpointing of who's the Rasha, so then through this lens, the Rasha is the person who sort of, like, internalizes yeah. that lesson, right? Yeah. What, is, what is it to be Rasha? It's to not be able to differentiate um, or, to, or to sort of pause yourself from continuing um a cycle of violence or, or mm-hmm. taking on something that, that maybe you shouldn't. Interesting of course as well that that Moses is the is the like negative is right? Like mm-hmm. don't don't do what he does. But of mm-hmm. course the flip side to the flip side is, well he has to do that because mm-hmm. otherwise the story doesn't get started. So anyway. Yeah. Hmm. What do you what do you I think like about that. that? All of those things
0: I think I've never, I've never even imagined that those two characters could be the same person. So
1: great, right? Yeah,
0: I really like that. Um, yeah, I, I really have very little to say about it other than I think it's fascinating. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, what else to I think it's fascinating. I mean, I think it 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 is an interesting. Um, they're not answering the same question, but it is an interesting way of us just thinking about like what is identity right the like Moshe's deciding that that this person is a bad guy, Moshe's deciding that he understands where he comes from, right like how do we how do we understand our identities and what of our past or that which were that which is being modeled for us, how does that create our identity yeah.
1: Understand yeah. well, and so then then winding it back, sort of a half step in the narrative. Rabbi also talks about how, like, why why does Moses kill the guy? Yeah, right? like why yeah. why couldn't he? Because so some of the some of the commentaries that I read were like, all right, he, just, he didn't kill
0: him. He just like he's he struggled with him enough that he was just buried in sand. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. Yeah,
1: that's definitely not. What yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as in court, why does he have to go? Like he's an Egyptian prince. Say, yeah. stop doing that, right, or right. imprison him, or right. scare him away. Yeah. Um, and Rabbi Mayer interestingly talks about how uh, he says the culture in the Pharaoh's palace had taught Moses to fear and revile strangers and foreigners, and to see them as lesser humans. Even though Moses had consciously chosen to identify himself as a Hebrew, mm-hmm. the darkness that he had absorbed had to surface at some time in his life. Ooh, so, that this idea that he's been sort of immersed in this environment mm-hmm. of. Hostility and violence, mm-hmm. and when he sees something that 's at odds with right like he 's been growing up in an environment where if you see something that you don 't like mm-hmm. you you lash out at it, it. Mm-hmm. and you, you do away with it mm-hmm. right like um, so so if he 's seen that modeled mm-hmm. then that 's what he 's going to do, which does not absolve him of the action right mm-hmm. he, he still took the action um and i think there are some interesting pieces there in terms of for each of us right what's the milieu in which we're situated sure. what are the forces acting upon us how do we internalize those what are the healthy or unhealthy ways of okay. processing those um yeah and to have to have to have both empathy for moses in mm-hmm. terms of this is that sort of what what he grew up with, yeah, and yeah. also saying, you know, you can't you can't do that, right? There's, right. There, and and it's uh, it's
0: kind of like not to make it super dark, but it's kind of like you know when when someone is abused as a child and then becomes a parent and abuses their yeah, child, of
1: abuse, Absolutely. and they
0: are well, not necessarily even sexual, just like any kind of abuse, right? Yeah. Verbal, physical, whatever. Um, But then the argument is, well, I don't know how else to love. It's like, okay, well, I I get that you might not have had modeled good behavior, but by living in the world, you should know that hitting your kid, sexually abusing your kid, whatever, is not the way to... Not the way to show affection. Not the only way, or the good way, <laughs> to show affection. Well,
1: you, you, we still are ultimately responsible for our own actions. Correct. Correct. What, yeah, what's yeah. interesting is what we're talking about is you know there's there's of course the the echo that folks might hear in these verse right that Moses sees like Ish right and of course the teaching in, Pirkayavo Amakom mm-hmm. she Ain Ish Ish right in a place. Well, we'll go with the traditional gender translation right like in the place where there isn't a man strive to be a man right in sort of the the sense yeah. there that if there's no one around to do what has to be done, do what has to be right, done right right uh to to sort of cross teachify it right the lo right you you don't have to do everything but you gotta do something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right um and so Moses looks hither and thither um, and doesn't see anybody around. So he's like, oh, I got to do something. But then what does he do? He kills a guy, right? right? Like, is that is that the move, right? Yeah. There's no one around to act for justice, freedom, truth, and you're going to kill somebody, right. right? So there's also kind of a dark undercurrent to that as well. Like, mm-hmm. there's no one around to do the right thing, mm-hmm. and that's the choice you make, mm-hmm. right? And And also I think we see then – like he knows he did something wrong, because if he didn't think he did anything wrong, he wouldn't get spooked right. when the Israelite says, "What do you think you're doing?" You just right. say, what, "What do you care? It's fine." Yeah, right. Like he he also does know he did something wrong, yeah. right? Because then he says, "Oh, people know I got to get out of here." Mm-hmm. If he didn't think he did anything wrong, right. he wouldn't leave. He would right. he wouldn't he wouldn't flee. He'd right. figure, big deal. I'm a yeah. pr- I'm a prince. I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. Interesting. Right. Also that. He he can't, by
0: the way. <laughs> yes.
1: Right? Why is Pharaoh seeking to kill him? Right? Moses is also a prince. Right. That's kind of weird. Never thought about that before. But Moses...
0: I mean, Pharaoh knows that he's not.
1: Does he? I mean, but yeah. even so, he's still living in the palace. He's still an Egyptian prince. At yeah,
0: but part. sure. Sure. But but I guess what I'm saying is, like, the status is still different.
1: Yeah. He might not know where he comes from. Right. I mean, I... I I could see it as equally likely that in an ancient Near Eastern context, someone who is currently residing in the palace could smite a taskmaster mm-hmm. and not face right. the death penalty themselves for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But he, but, he, but he has to...
0: A barbanel has the same question as me. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's always good to be on the same page as the Barbanel.
0: But interesting, a completely different point. Um, Ibn Ezra says that... So the first part of this first verse is, Vayigdal Moshe Vayitze El Echav, that yep. he, the Moshe grew up and then he went out to his brethren. Brethren. And what Ibn Ezra is saying is that the brethren are the Egyptians. So the first time he goes mm-hmm. out, he's going out to his, to his brethren, which is the same word... As brethren, later on in the same
1: verse, define your brethren.
0: Right, and that the first time it's Egyptians, and then Ibn Ezra doesn't actually comment on it. A se- the second time that
1: it's used, in those to so be by in those days Mo, Moses grew up, and he went went out to his brothers. But then that doesn't make sense. Via your Tom, because the Tom has to be referring to their suffering, that, that that doesn't really make any sense of its connoting Egyptians, does it? This
0: is incomprehensible. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: yeah, what the, I, agree, I agree. This is this what, is... I actually
0: don't know who this little little type is on this edition of uh, Mikro Gordolo, but okay. It says, this is incomprehensible unless Ibn Ezra thinks that one of his kinsmen refers to the attacker rather than the victim. Interesting. The commentators disagree on whether to read the Egyptians as a mistake for the Hebrews or whether Ibn Ezra referred to the Israelites who were living in Egypt as Egyptians. Neither solution is completely
1: satisfying. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not. Meaning, like, I do think it's an interesting... Well,
0: I think it's an interesting drosh. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off. (laughs) I think it's an interesting drosh because if the first is brothers... But then he feels this pull towards what's happening to this Hebrew, three words later in the verse, and then he refers to the Hebrews as brothers. It is interesting to think about how we choose those in our lives to be close to, and how people who we choose to have close in our lives at certain moments could become our enemies at other times in our lives. And vice versa, that someone who we did not particularly think that we were going to um, enjoy or be close to or have respect for could become someone who later on we do. Um, We think about relationships more linearly, I think, in general. but, But if we if we stop to imagine those people who we are close to and have not been close to our whole lives, it's possible that. That the that that shift does happen. So using the same word for both could imply that Moshe had a different translation of who his brothers were over the course of his life. And I really like that drosh.
1: No, I think that's definitely. I mean, I think there's definitely something to the shift in Moshe's identity. About this drush, no? I can tell that. Yeah. It still doesn't grammatically make sense at the beginning of the verse. Yeah, but, but grammar's not like,
0: really my thing. Okay. So. okay. <laughs> <Point>. <laughs> Um, great.
1: <laughs> Just I didn't then. realize it was my thing either, but uh, yeah. I'm glad to know it's not your thing. It's definitely not my thing. Um, do, do you want to? Do you want to get Freudian for a second? Do you want to? Sure, we you, can. Do you want to? Do, you know, do you know? Do you know Moses and Manetho? Have I heard you know? to ask me? Do you know Freudian? Yeah, no, I have that. <laughs> much I know faith what. In you. Oh, thank so thank you.
0: So for, I mean, nice.
1: Freud, I mean, he's not the only one to talk about it, but it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of. You okay there? Rabbi Schatz just, just slammed her foot into the table by my couch. But I
0: didn't curse. <laughs> Good job. How
1: you doing? What oh, pain God. scale? One to ten. Okay. Where are we at? Okay. One to ten. Okay. I'm listening to you. Where are you? Like three? No. Okay. She's writhing. <laughs> I'm
0: not. She's
1: writhing okay. and she's turning purple. <laughs> I'm
0: not doing for that. For
1: those who are wondering. Um Freud articul- articulates the hypothesis that Moses was actually an Egyptian, and that the, and that the through and through that Moses was born an Egyptian, mm-hmm. um, who uh, who basically ascribed to the monotheistic version of Egyptian religion, which was then done away with. Mm-hmm. But he was sort of clued into Egyptian monotheism and mm-hmm. was sort of persecuted for it, and mm-hmm. left with some slaves to go sort of start mm-hmm. a new. Um, religion. Now, I'm not saying I buy that. But in terms of your comment in terms of yeah. who are his brethren, huh. right? And Maybe who he does he it. who does he really ident- who does he really identify with right? And yeah. so, so from that point of view, if you're being really strict about it, mm-hmm. you could make a case that the reason in this particular verse, when Moses is finally making the move, mm-hmm. the reason that it says twice Echav and Echav mm-hmm. is like this is the moment when he's really starting to yeah. identify not with where he grew up, mm-hmm. but where he is now
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, shifting to and yeah. would also give additional context for why Pharaoh would be seeking to kill him because he knows Moses is like kind of going rogue right. at this point oh, interesting. Um, in terms of identifying differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether or not you buy that hypothesis. Freud, though the founder of psychoanalysis, was not a Bible scholar, but Mm -hmm. it's an interesting framework. Um, I think there's definitely something to be said in terms of, look, I I think there are different levels of identity formation Mm -hmm. over the course of our lives, and there are different populations who you might have never thought you would identify with, who then all of a sudden you are identifying very strongly with, Mm -hmm. right? The easiest example that comes to mind is, well, someone who has never been to or wants to go to a 12-step meeting all of a sudden realizes that they actually need to get into recovery, and then they identify very strongly Mm -hmm. with the fellowship in AA, Mm -hmm. right? So, and then all of a sudden they can't ever have imagined Mm -hmm. that that would be a group of people. Yeah. And then maybe 10 years down the line, that's not something that serves them so much. And they move on to really identify with, right. You know, a different kind of support network or population or like, or when people move or when people change workplaces or when people move into a different type of family role, Mm -hmm. right? Like there are always fluctuations, um, Mm -hmm. In identity,
0: I do think it's um, just to continue on these lines of, uh, of Freud for a second. Um, I do think it's interesting that part of the part of what you're um, explaining can also be the different ways that we imagine family, right Like we might imagine when we are kids that we are going to get married to whoever we're gonna get married to. And then we're going to have X number of children and it's going to be easy and we're going to have all those kids and we're going to enjoy our lives, you know, with those with those children. And I think more and more we are hearing stories of how a difficult it is to have those children b the numbers of times that birth slash a baby being born is not what you expected or what you would have hoped for a child. Yeah. Um, and, and in my own family story, I would have never imagined that we would have an interracial family. Like I just never, you know, when I was five, six, seven, I would have never imagined that not because I would have ever thought it to be something bad or to bring our, to bring our family, you know, any, any less, connection or meaning or um, uh, or status, so to speak, but because sometimes you just, you can't imagine the things that you haven't been exposed to and yet now I can't imagine not having family members who are of different races because I can't imagine my family without those right. people. So when I think of my brothers and I having kids, it no longer looks as linear as Married, have children who look like you, right? Like there's there's a whole other subset of what family looks like to me, and and I do think that that's not just naivete or ignorance. I just think that we are so used to the things that we come from and that that we are exposed to that for Moshe, this first iteration of Echav. Was just the brothers that he knew to call brothers, but then the second iteration was a pull towards something that he felt more deeply of an identity and a community that then he called them brothers.
1: Yeah, grammar still doesn't make sense, but it's still a lovely drosh.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're gonna leave the grammar aside. <laughs> Great. We can call Doctor Zioni Zevit and tell him that I was just as bad right now in my drosh around this grammar as I was in his class, and he would get a he would he would laugh at that. It would he. Oh, totally. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, um, if anybody knows that I'm not good at grammar, it's my grammar teacher. So,
1: yeah. Um, I, I was gonna make the comment. I think that, um. Not, not only does it happen sometimes, I think those those shifts in identity are are vital.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Like if 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 I saw myself now as I saw myself when I was. Or as I expected my life to yeah. be, or as I might have drawn my life up when I was ten or fifteen or right, right. twenty or even twenty-five, uh, I would probably be pretty. It's not that long ago. <laughs> Some, for those of us who are older than twenty-five on this podcast, or our shots, it was um, older than twenty-five. Um, <laughs> that th- those are vital, right? I mean, that's that's developmental psychology 101. Yeah. right? That in in order for us to just like be people in the world, there are certain developmental. Shifts and roles that yeah. we we have to yeah. um, move through otherwise we're essentially in arrested development right? right right, and this is obviously a chain of events that you know hope, hopefully we don't all have to um, murder someone and then intervene in a potential murder in order to grow up. Mm-hmm. I would staunchly advocate for that yeah. um, but reading this through the lens of um you know, leaving where you've been, going out in the world, struggling to understand why things are happening the way they are and how to make sense of them, mm-hmm. um, I think it's definitely something that's happening here. Um, <clears throat> and also, I said this to Rama shots earlier, so the author, Joan Didion, passed away um, earlier today, for those of you who know her work, but one of...
0: We what? are we are recording on Thursday, just to be clear.
1: Thank you. Really so you're going to be listening
0: to it on Friday?
1: Yep. Uh, or later. Or tw- twenty five years in the future when this is still living on, correct in the cloud. But I
0: just wanted to point out that the death happened today, not
1: tomorrow. I appreciate. Yeah, I agree. Okay, <laughs> um, but one of her most famous lines, if not her most famous line, was the sort of pithy framing that we tell ourselves stories in order to live. Um, that we each have a narrative, right? Like as I'm as I'm walking around, I have a narrative for like what I'm going to be doing today and what my plans are and what yeah. my week has in store and what my month has in store, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a narrative in which I am the protagonist because mm-hmm. it would be weird if I was telling a story and, you know, my neighbor down the street was the protagonist. I wouldn't have very much to do with my time other than wave hello three times a day, um, right? But I'm, I'm telling myself a story about what's happening um, in order to make sense of it, yeah. but that story changes, right? That story shifts and evolves, yeah. and it it has to, right? Mm-hmm. I think Rabbi Schatz has certainly referenced this and and it mentioned it is at a Drosh at the executive board meeting over a month ago. Rabbi Schatz probably wasn't listening, to you. that's okay. I'm not sure anyone else was. But there was uh no, we were outside, it's freezing. We were outside and it was it was a lovely fall evening. Mm-hmm. Um but there are also hazards of narrative, right? If we get too wedded to one particular narrative of how the world is or the way things should be, yeah, that can be confining mm-hmm. because As we're all learning with Omicron, reality has a way of sort of continually upending our expectations. So we have to be able to adjust to that. And Moses sort of gets thrown thrown for a loop here a couple of times.
0: I I do think that a part of this identity piece that Rabbi Shapiro and I see quite often also comes about in conversion students, right? That they feel this pull. Towards Judaism, towards yeah. culture, to- towards the religion, towards a person, right? Who might not be considered a brother, but would be considered a family member, um, and and that—that's
1: a, a different Freudian
0: thing. Yeah, thank you. Um, but that also is a really interesting way of framing this pull. That I know I keep calling it that. It doesn't say that in the Torah, but like the way in which Moshe then identifies himself as a Hebrew. <laughs> Right, All the commentators are, are, come up with all these funny things to say like, oh, Pharaoh told him he was a Hebrew, or Batya told him he was Hebrew. Okay, well, you're all making that up, because you don't actually know that, and you're from the 11th century, so awesome that you think so, but but maybe, probably not, and and I think that what we're seeing, Rosh is laughing at me, because he loves that I beat on the... Straight talk from <laughs> Rabbi
1: Shatz and Mepharshim. Listen here, Rosh Bomb. <laughs> yeah
0: make any sense like they're doing exactly what we're doing right now and and just to say that
1: except without the recording device
0: incorrect well they wrote down to say that you know we that he must have heard from someone else that he was a hebrew okay but also also maybe he just felt a certain camaraderie and a certain kind of connection and a certain um I don't know inspiration from the people around him who were acting like him, maybe even looked like him. Though I think in today's day that would not be super PC, but just there, there is a there is a magnetic pull to people who you who who are like you, right? And and that is something that I think he was feeling and experiencing. And I don't know. I just don't want to dismiss that. And I do think that people who choose to become Jewish. I think often um, or I shouldn't say I think I know often relate to that kind of draw um, to their own Jewish identity
1: yeah I think there's a, I mean the to ground it a little more to ground it a little more in some of the language I, I don't have anything corroborating the poll piece but at the just going back to the beginning of verse 11 um when it is says by Dal Moshe, right? Like, you yeah. know, you could you can frame that well, Moses grew up, but like he's 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 moving into sort of like the next phase of
0: mm-hmm.
1: of his um, development. Although interesting and as is often the case of a of a lot of our um, narratives about our ancestors, we hear like nothing <laughs> <laughs> right, we 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 hear about what what it was like for him, you know, right when after he was born, and then yeah, he goes out and kills somebody, right. right. We, we miss yeah. a lot of the middle,
0: yeah.
1: uh, depending on your favorite cinematic depiction. There are either uh, very silly hairstyles and/or chariot races along the way, um, sure. but the Torah doesn't give us that, right? But we just hear, and then Moses grew up, right, right? and and so you know what what. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the other, just what? Yeah, it's yeah, I was going to do a thing on water and well and Nile, but it's not technically in the verses that we're hmm. talking about. So you can write the taste of char. I'll save that for next year. Oh wow, well, next year. Okay.
0: Um, all right. How should we? You want to close us out? You can do the
1: bow. I'm going to do the bow. Yeah
0: could oh, that be kind of thing
1: whenever whenever we stop doing this podcast, I hope that well i either I'm gonna get Rabbi Schatz a very nice bow or she she should get me a very nice
0: or we're just gonna show up to our offices and have bows everywhere from our different listeners,
1: oh yeah, yeah all all <laughs> all one of them are gonna send a bunch of bows in. Yeah, so cute. bows yeah bows bows everywhere. I don't know that I have a. Can you
0: sit a, near the microphone? Robert Farrell's is now pacing, but I need him to be near I the microphone. I mean,
1: obviously. <laughs> All, right. Okay. All right. The very old Roman. Right? <laughs> I know. That's what I'm telling you. Okay, bow. Bow, up. bow it up, bow nose. Um. I I I think it's. G- going back to the piece that Rabbi Schatz was taken by as I was um, and thinking about this story kind of through that lens of um, Moses helping someone who then kind of turned the tables on him and the cycles of behavior that that might perpetuate and how that plays into identity. I I, I think it's a, a reminder of, of a challenge for each of us, right? Reflecting on where we are. In terms of our own identity, I think it's fair to say that the past two years have held a lot of unexpected changes, kind of all the way around. I was just talking to a friend... Uh, earlier today, and I said to him, "We are all way more than two years older than we were two years ago, mm-hmm. right? Like a, a lot has happened yeah. over these past two years, mm-hmm. um, and some of that is identity stuff, right? How how we see ourselves, how we see ourselves in relationship to other people, how we mm-hmm. see ourselves in terms of how we respond to crisis." Mm-hmm. Um, who we
0: call our brothers right who we
1: who, we who we who we call family mm-hmm. um the ways in which we see ourselves perpetuating cycles of violence and trauma or the ways mm-hmm. that we try to break out of those mm-hmm. um and I think you know we can see these verses as a call to dive into exploring that and to yeah. see that you know this is deep within the DNA of our tradition that this yeah. this sort of chain of events is what starts um you know, the process towards freedom. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a good reminder and a call for each of us. So there you go. Beautiful. Shabbat shalom.
0: You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to tba. LA.org.